0: Welcome back to another exciting episode
1: of Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Welcome back to Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Battle of Gettysburg, which was the key turning point of the American Civil War. The noted historian Shelby Foote said, the Battle of Gettysburg is what turned us from an R to an is... So it is one of the key points in US history. The nation we have today would look a lot different if Battle of Gettysburg turned out differently. So it is one of the major events that turned the United States into what it became. So here are the basics on the Battle of Gettysburg. The Battle of Gettysburg was a three-day battle. It occurred July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 1863. So it's about halfway through the four-year American Civil War. Gettysburg is in Pennsylvania, so that makes it the second and final major battle fought in the North or on Union soil. Gettysburg is the deadliest battle fought during the Civil War. And not only that, Gettysburg is not only the deadliest battle of the American Civil War, it's the deadliest battle in any American war So Gettysburg is a very small town, but it was a decisive turning point in the eastern theater of the Civil War. The Confederacy was led by Robert E. Lee, who was the overall commander of the Confederate forces, and his army of Northern Virginia squared off against the army of the Potomac, who is the lead army in the east from the Union, and they were led by Union commander General George Meade, M-E-A-D-E, General George Meade. And this was a decisive union victory meade defeats lee and it's the last time the confederacy attacks the union on northern soil we're going to take a short break and when we come back from the first break we will get into the key details of the battle for this first break i thought it would be appropriate if we listened to the gettysburg address in its entirety this edition is read by riley bozeman one of my
2: advanced u.s history students enjoy For those who here gave their lives that that nation might live it is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this but in a larger sense we cannot dedicate we cannot consecrate we cannot hollow this ground the brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract the world will little note nor long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that short
1: break. Before we get into the Battle of Gettysburg, let's do a quick recap of how we got to Gettysburg in July of 63. So if you remember, the Civil War starts April of 61 at Fort Sumter, which is in South Carolina. And then... Most of the major battles take place in Virginia. There's some battles out west in the theater in Tennessee, Mississippi, but the major action's in Virginia. And for the first year or so of the war, the Confederacy is winning most of the major battles and a lot of the minor ones as well. By the time we get to September of 62, Lee decides it's time to invade the North. So he goes and attacks the North. He makes it as far as Antietam, which is in Maryland. Remember Antietam was a draw, technically, but it's the first time Lee invades North and they don't win, so it kind of feels like a Confederate loss. What happens after Antietam, the war resumes its kind of previous pattern, where Lee is on the defensive in Virginia and he's winning most of the battles. So by the time we get to the summer of 63, the Civil War is over two years old. If you remember, most people thought it would be over months. The original listments were only 90 days, so that's three months. So most people believe the Civil War would last less than three months. Now it's over two years old and Lee decides to invade the North again. It's time. So up to this point, the Confederacy is winning the Civil War for the first two years of a four-year war. And that's where things start to change is in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. What happens when Lee goes North, they wind up meeting a very small town. Gettysburg is not on a river. There's no armory. It's not the capital. The government doesn't meet there. Uh, It's a small town today, and it definitely was a small town there. So neither side would pick Gettysburg as the place to have the biggest battle of the entire Civil War. So it just kind of happened. It's not an accident they fought. The, The Lee is in the north to fight. Where they fought turned out to be kind of an accidental battle location. So George Meade gets to Gettysburg first, and he sets up his defenses first. Now, if you go to Gettysburg, it's a very small town, and just south of the town, the geography really dictates this battle. Um, There's a series of hills and rugged terrain just south of Gettysburg, and that's where George Meade, the Union commander, decides to set up his forces. So the Union is able to take the high ground on top of a series of hills. It becomes known as the Fish Hook Defense. Because the way Meade sets his forces up, it looks like a fish hook, kind of curved at the top and goes straight down. So that's the defensive line that the Union takes. So for the Confederacy to win, they're going to have to attack the Union, who has the high ground, and they're going to have to defeat them. So this makes it very difficult for the Confederate forces. The the first two days, there's a heck of a lot of fighting, people dying on both sides, a lot of people wounded on both sides. And um, it all really comes down to the third day. But before we get to that, actual turning of the tide on day three, we need to back up just a little bit and, and go over Jeb Stewart. Um, James Ewell Brown Stewart, it's J-E-B, Jeb is the nickname, and Stewart is S-T-U-A-R-T. Jeb Stewart is Lee's best cavalry officer. He's a horseback officer. The purpose of the cavalry during war, during the battle, is really reconnaissance, so the Real main purpose of a cavalry once they're going to have a battle is to get as close to the enemy as you possibly can and then come back and tell your commander how many people they have, how many cannons they have, where they're located. The Confederate cavalry up to this point of the war has been much superior to the Union cavalry. Jeb Stewart is, is Lee's best cavalry officer. Jeb Stewart and his men are so good, they could basically do a 360 around the Union lines, come back, and then report to Lee. So what that means is Lee has a lot of these battles that he's winning and getting credit for, he just has better information. The Union generals, the, the, the first three years of the war, the cavalrys aren't as good, so therefore the information's not as good. But the problem that Lee runs into here, this is kind of an accidental battle, is that on day one when it starts he sends a message out to jeb stewart to drop whatever you're doing immediately and come i need you i need your help well jeb stewart he was out scavenging for food by the time they find him and tell him that lee needs you jeb stewart's in like a honey hole he's found a little town that's got lots of pigs and livestock and food so instead of dropping immediately he decides to finish loading his wagons two hours later He finally loads up and comes. So what that means is by the time Jeb Stuart gets to Gettysburg, the battle has actually already started on day one. So for the first time in the war, Lee's information is not as good as it usually is. He's kind of fighting a little bit blind. He's guessing on where the Union forces are set up. He doesn't know in detail like he normally does first two days are a slugfest. The Confederacy almost breaks through on day two. When it comes to day three, Lee is convinced that one more final push will break the Union lines and win the Battle of Gettysburg. So he takes his last remaining troops that have not been used yet, and that is George Pickett's troops. He tells them to attack the center of the Union line at the fishhook, and um, when they do, they are routed. Lee believes that the Union line is close to breaking. In reality, it's nowhere near breaking. Remember, he's fighting blind on this battle. So that becomes known day three as Pickett's Charge. um, And that's Pickett's first time commanding men in battle, and his entire regiment is wiped out. The Union, George Meade, defeats Robert E. Lee at the Battle of Gettysburg. So this is a major Union victory in the East. It is the main turning point in the East. Because up to this point, the Confederacy is winning the war. After this point in the East, the Confederacy is no longer winning the major battles. They have no more major victories until they lose the war in 65, hence turning point. And then if you couple this with Vicksburg in the West, which is going on at the same time as Gettysburg is fighting, Vicksburg's coming to a head. Those two are the main turning points for the Confederacy. So from 61 to 63, the summer of 63, it looks like the Confederacy is going to most likely win the Civil War. And then with Vicksburg out west, and especially Gettysburg in the east, the tide turns against the Confederacy and the Union goes on to win, hence major turning point. Um, Lincoln is still not completely impressed with Meade. So we'll talk about that after this short break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up the Battle of Gettysburg. For this short break, I thought it would be appropriate to listen to the unofficial anthem of the Confederacy, a little tune called Dixie. Enjoy.
0: Southern men, the thunders mutter, northern flags and south winds flutter to arms to arms, two arms, to arms, to sparks, to arms, to sparks, to arms in is Back your fierce defiance, stamp upon the cursed alliance. Two arms, to arms, two arms, two arms. Two arms, two arms. Two arms. Dixie, advance the flag of Dixie. Hurrah, hurrah! for Dixie's land we take our stand and live or die for Dixie. Two arms, two arms, two arms, two arms, two arms and conquer peace for Dixie. Two arms, two arms, two arms, and conquer peace for Dixie. No danger, shun no labor. Lift up rifle, pike, and saber to arms, to arms, to arms. arms. arms In Dixie, shoulder pressing close to shoulder, let the odds make each heart bolder. To arms, to arms, to arms. arms. arms In Dixie, advance the flag of Dixie. Hurrah, hurrah, for Dixie's land we take our stand and live or die for Dixie. To arms. Conquer Peace for Dixie. And conquer peace for Dixie.
1: Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that short break, and we're on the home stretch for the Gattle Battle of Gettysburg. For the break, I alluded to the fact that Lincoln wasn't really happy with Meade. And, and like Antietam, this was no draw or draw that felt like a win. This was a major Union victory. But Lincoln believes that on July 4th, if Meade would have pressed his advantage, if he would attack Lee, he not only could have won the Battle of Gettysburg, he could have won the entire war. He could have captured Lee, which would effectively would have ended the Civil War. So while this is a major victory, Lincoln decides after Gettysburg, he replaces George Meade, and in 64, Ulysses S. Grant comes east. So it's following the Battle of Gettysburg, last major battle 64. that Grant takes over command of the army in the East. So Lincoln is not happy with Meade, even though he wins the battle. He wanted him to win the entire war. Also, another major outcome is five months later after the battle, they go back to Gettysburg. Um, There's about a dozen speakers. Lincoln is one of those speakers that day, and that's where he delivers his famous Gettysburg Address. Now, they're there that day to dedicate part of the battlefield that's now been turned into a cemetery. They're there to dedicate it as a national cemetery. That's the purpose of them being there five months after the largest battle of the Civil War's fought. So to recap, the Battle of Gettysburg is the second and final major battle fought on Union soil. George Meade defeats Robert E. Lee. It is a major Union victory, and it is the main turning point in the East. Make sure you're subscribed to Mr. Cornwell's Corner. We'll see you soon. Bye. So, if we had the unofficial anthem of the Confederacy, which was Dixie, I think it's only right that we hear the unofficial anthem of the Union Army, which is a tune called The Battle Hymn of the Republic. So, enjoy.
0: the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He have loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have builded him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I have read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss another episode. See you next time. I am Blaine Jaffe, the voice of the intro and exit for Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Thank you for listening.